0: Anyway, hopefully uh, you were able to uh, receive some of the gifts that were on your your list. Maybe you got everything you wanted this year for Christmas. Uh, Maybe you didn't. And uh, don't get me wrong. Um, It's a blast to open gifts. It's a blast to get excited um, about all the great things that that you received. But I cannot help, especially this December, I can't go another Sunday without saying how blessed I am to serve with you uh, in this church. Um, Not just in your getting but in your giving. Uh, December was an absolutely incredible month. And I know it sounds cliche uh, to say, but it is so true. It is so much better to give than to receive. Um, so much better. And, and, and I just want to say that the, the way that you lived that out was a blessing to me um, this past month. I'm not sure if you know this, but you as a church, just during the month of December, um, during this time of year when everybody's busy, because uh, the holidays, everybody gets busy, and we just get in this tailspin, and, and, and we get way too busy, and we get overloaded and focused on our own concerns, and, and there's too many parties to go to, and too many things to get ready, and it's, it's too cold, and, and, and maybe we can just take the month off. Well, you did the opposite. And you blew me away once again with your generosity uh, as a church. Um, Over the past few weeks, um, you heard last week how we we blessed several refugee families that are here in Des Moines that that came with nothing, Um, and you blessed them with everything that they need for their homes uh, almost. Also in the past couple weeks, you gave away hats and gloves and mittens, um, all sorts of winter items to those that are in need. We had some small groups uh, help out and wrap a couple hundred gifts uh, for people, just this last week, we did a little pizza party at the shelter. Some of you were there. Give me a holler. Yeah, yeah. yeah. all right, cool. Uh, had a pizza party for Christmas, uh, for New Year's, to, to, with our friends down at the shelter, and, and that was awesome. And, and all because God, God laid those things on your heart. Uh, you did it. The church didn't tell you to do it. You just did it. And that's a sign of God working inside of you. It's not something, I feel like I should do this to be a good person. It would be a nice Christian thing to do during the holidays. No, you just did it. And really, I didn't really know anything about it until a couple weeks ago. You just did it. Because God is moving and and he's on the move. And um, So praise God for that. Uh, But it wasn't about you. Um, It was about God. Because he's on the move. And uh, I love this time of year. um, Because... Uh, along with God being on the move in that way, it seems like there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement uh, about the new year because there's this sense of anticipation um, that things can be different. There's a reason to have hope. It's not just the name of a church. It's something that's very real, that that there's hope for the future because you're thinking to yourself, maybe this year will bring those changes that I want to see in my life. And maybe some of you, you've been thinking about 2011. So... Okay, show of hands, 2011 or 2011? 2011, 2011, how about 2011? Okay, you can fight it out afterwards. I don't know what's right, but, but you're, you know, for some of you, maybe it's those eating habits, you're going to give something up, or, or you're going to start eating healthier, maybe for some of you, it's that exercise routine, maybe some of you are saying, for the new year, I want to reconnect with, with some old friends, and uh, in some ways, it's, it's, to me, it kind of seems like it's turned into sort of this cultural tradition that, that everybody knows, oh, we make those New Year's resolutions, but we're really not going to keep them, right? I mean, that's just kind of what our culture says, and, and, and I'm certain I could ask several of, of uh, the athletic trainers that are a part of City Branch here, um, how does your membership look in January, and then tell me how your membership looks in March. Let's talk about that, right? Some of you are like, guilty, right? Guilty as charged, and, and, and I've been one of those people. Um, but at the same time, for many people, this is just killing me. I'm sorry. I need some duct tape or something. Um. For some of you, it's very serious. For some of you, it's like, no, I'm, I'm serious this year. I'm, I'm going to keep it because there's some stuff that I really, really need to change in my life. There's something really, really important that I need to either start doing or stop doing. And if you just pause for a second, if you just slow down and think about that, a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something in your life that you're saying, if I did make a New Year's resolution, that would be it. That would be it. And don't get me wrong, I am a fan of New Year's resolutions. I think they're great. I I, I think they're good, and goals are very, very good to have. In fact, all throughout Scripture, we're told to live our lives in Oh, my word, this is awesome. Okay, if you hear a big rip in the back, that is awesome. Thank you, Scott. You get a raise. Awesome. Um, Ephesians fifteen or five fifteen says this: Be very careful then how you live. In fact, let's read this together. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. That's kind of a good verse to, to start the year with. God says, make goals. New Year's resolutions are not bad just because the culture says, Oh, you're gonna fail anyway. God says, live wise, live your lives with intentionality. And so we're called to set goals. We're created to desire change in our life. That is not bad. But here's where I think we get into trouble, and this is where I want to go with the message for today. This is where the danger comes in, is that we continue to only look to our own strength, to our own abilities to our own self-control to make the changes that we're looking for. And whether it's January 1st or whether it's June 1st, it's easy to get caught up into this idea that if we just think hard enough about it, if we just put our minds to it, then we can change. And we can figure out how life works. And we can figure out how Christianity works. And that's fine. And that's good. And you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps until you run into things that are bigger than you. Until you run into those things in your life that you can't change under your own abilities. Um, I drink a lot of coffee. Maybe my New Year's resolution should be to not drink as much coffee. We did our budget last night, and I'm guilty. So, uh, but I love going to coffee shops. And, um, and, and I was having a conversation with a friend a few uh, weeks ago, and we were talking about New Year's resolutions in January coming up. And, and uh, you know how when you're talking with somebody and you're like, okay, so the first... 15, 20 minutes is probably going to be superficial stuff, and then if we really go deep, then we might get down to here. But a lot of our conversations stay here. But this one went down here. And we got to talking pretty honestly about where he was at. And he said, you know, John, I've I've been a Christian for a long time. Uh, I've been following God, I guess, walking with God uh, for a long time. I grew up in the church. My parents uh, took me to church. I, I've been around church for a while, and, and now I'm married, and I have a couple kids, and, and, and I haven't been really taking it seriously uh, for a while. But I've been around church for a long time. I mean, I know everything. I've I've been in lots of Bible studies. I've I've done the whole church thing. I've I've served the community. I mean, I'm in a small group. I've I've I, I think I've said the prayers that I think you're supposed to say. If there's some sort of magic words. That you're supposed to say um, I've committed my life to God but for some reason it's it's just not enough you know I I get it all but I'm just not sure I'm just really confused and I said okay um, so what seems to be the problem and I asked him what what seems to be the thing that's really tripping you up and so he says you know I I know that I'm saved I, I know that I'm forgiven and free, but you see, when I read my Bible, when I, when I, and I read it a lot, but when I read this, it doesn't match up with me. When I read this, it doesn't match up with my life, and maybe some of you can identify with that as well. I mean, I, I read in here, and I've been told over and over again, the, the Bible says, I am, a, I am a son of God, but I don't feel like a son of God. Most days, the Bible says that, that I have nothing to fear, but yet I'm stressed all the time. And I'm worried about the future. The Bible, the Bible says that I'm free, but I know that there's some things that I'm not free from. Because there's some things that are just getting in the way that continue to come back, these old habits again and again. And then you list it off it, I'm not free because of this, I'm not free because of this, and I'm not free. Because of this. And he listed off some habits and behaviors, some things that, that he'd been trying to shake for a long time, but he just can't do it. And he, he actually said, You know, I've been, I've been coming to Lutheran Church of Hope for a while. I've, I've actually joined a small group, but, but nothing's really fixing it. Nothing's really working. And, I, and, and maybe some of you can identify when he says this. And, and, and I, I keep trying and I keep saying, Okay, God, this is going to be the last time. 2011, I'm not going to have this problem. Anymore. This is the last time I'm going to be rid of this habit, this this sin in my life, this this way of living. This is it, only to screw up again. And then he goes on to say, you know that whole like dedicating your life to Christ stuff. So so this is what I've done. I, I I remember when I was little, I dedicated myself, and then at some point I rededicated myself, and then I think at some point I rededicated the dedication of my dedication. And, and I just don't know, I'm here, and this is the person that I am, but no matter how many times I rededicate and rededicate and rededicate, I can't get to here. I can't become the person that I want to be. So the question is, how do we get from here to there? And so I took a deep breath, and with all my pastoral compassion, I said, wow, sorry dude, stinks to be you. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. First off, um, I'll be honest, I kind of wanted to bang my head against the table um, because um, maybe some of you can identify with this because I've been there. I'm identifying with his struggle. Try, fail, try, fail. The Christian life, try, fail. Being a good husband, try, fail, right? You can identify. Being a good parent, try, fail. You've been there before. And, And so he goes, okay, so John, you're like a you're like one of those pastor dudes. He actually used the word dude with pastor. That was awesome. So, you're one of those pastor dudes. Don't don't you have a secret? Don't you have a few keys for 2011 for me for me getting unstuck? I just I feel stuck. And he even said and this is a couple of weeks ago and I knew I was going to be preaching on Revelation today and he said doesn't Jesus say something in the Bible about, like, I am making all things new? Isn't that like in Revelation or something? I said, well, yeah, it's in Revelation. He said, well, then why don't I feel new? Why does the old have control of my life? Well, why don't I feel... Why can't I change? Why can't I change? And I thought about it for a second, because I've learned to think before I speak, and, and uh, I said, first of all... Um, pastor dudes have the same issues that you have. So we're all in the same boat here. Let's first say that. Trust me, we got issues. Secondly, I told him, you know all those things that you've been doing that are good? Your church attend- attendance, you're praying more, you're reading the Bible more, you're being nice to people, doing good things. All, all those things that you've been doing to keep busy and running around and-, and looking for answers, all those things are good in and of themselves, but they're not, the answer. And this is where I want to go with the rest of our time today, because I don't think this guy is alone. And maybe when I was telling that story, you're like, did I have coffee with John? Because <laughs> I've been there, and maybe you've been there too, but I don't think that he's the only one asking those questions. I feel stuck. How do I change? How many of us have been there, done that, got the t-shirt with Christianity But for some reason, even though Jesus says to us in our scripture today, Behold, I am making all things new, we feel sometimes in our lives like nothing's changing. Like we keep running into the same old problems. We feel stuck. And maybe some of you just need an analogy of what it looks like to be stuck. So this past week was a very important anniversary for Tiffany and I. Unfortunately, it was an anniversary that's not very exciting that we would like to forget. For it was on Christmas Eve last year when we experienced what I would call the wedge incident. Incident. So let me explain the wedge incident. So there we were. There we were, last Christmas Eve, all decked out in our gear. My wife, obviously I married up, so she's much more beautiful than I am, and she's got on this awesome dress and these leggings and her high heels, and I've got my suit and tie on for Christmas, and we're headed out to our main campus in West Des Moines for, for the late Uh, service was about 10.30 at night. And and I'm sure many of you, if you can remember Christmas Eve last year, it was a complete disaster. Snow, ice, wind, ice, snow, wind, more of the same, over and over and over again. But that doesn't stop us. We're going to go to worship and and, uh, everything's going along just fine until we start backing out of our driveway. Now, a word about the Anninson driveway. Um, If you've ever been skiing, you have a good idea of what our driveway uh, is like, the situation here. Our driveway resembles... Not exactly a black diamond sort of mountain, but maybe a blue, right? Not a beginner, not the bunny hill, but somewhere in between. That's our driveway. We've really contemplated putting in a ski lift um, or or some sort of ramp or something like that. Um, it, It resembles a skiing hill in Colorado, except it's concrete. It's a driveway, and it's frozen over with ice, on Christmas Eve. So down we go in my little car and, 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 I'm, and I'm kind of backing down. It's a very steep driveway like this. And so we're backing down this way. I was going to bring my toy cars to do a little diagram. So uh, we're backing down the driveway and, and, and usually I kind of turn a little bit to the right or to the left and all of a sudden we, we start to drift to the left like this. And Tiffany says... John, you can turn the steering wheel now. I said, I know, I'm trying, and I ran, and I just, I didn't have any control anymore. You know that feeling when you're on ice, you don't have any control, and I'm steering this way, and I'm steering this way, and nothing's changing, and all of a sudden, we just kind of nice and gently, eeeeh, fun. Driveway, this way. An car, this way. Wedge, it's the wedge incident, and we are stuck. There's brick on this side, and there's a curb on that side. We are stuck. Merry Christmas, and there we are. And, and Tiffany says, turn the wheel. I can't turn the wheel. And there we are, 90 degree angle in our driveway. And, and being the, the strong and, and independent know-it-all man uh, that I am, um, I gun it, you know, because that's going to solve it. Let's just push the accelerator harder. Um, until I realized that we are officially wedged 90 degrees in our driveway, which I'm sure is a real treat to all our neighbors. Ah, what a lovely pastor and his wife. Um, And there we are between the wall and the gutter. And my second attempt to save us, because I'm a strong independent man and I can figure it out myself, um, a second attempt to save us is, of course, to push it while she guns Uh, the car and I push and I push and I push and I push and I try, fail, try, fail. We've all been there, right? Back and forth until I've just pretty much covered her in a face full of muddy snow. Merry Christmas, honey. So um, I know, third attempt, I'll get some cardboard, right? So we go downstairs and, and all we need is a little traction. So there I am in my suit, no boots on, in my suit and Tiffany in her dress and heels and we're underneath our car, wedged in the driveway, snow coming down, slipping on the ice, and we're shoving cardboard underneath the wheels. She trips and falls. She says some nice things to me. Um, (laughs) uh, uh, One of her heels goes rolling down the driveway, Uh, a wonderful opportunity for the neighborhood to get to know us. Um, Let's just say that by the end of the evening, we didn't make it to worship that night. Um, High heels were thrown, loving words were exchanged, and the marriage was strengthened. But the truth is, well, we did get out, yes, but we were stuck. We were stuck, and at that moment, we were stuck to the point where no amount of positive thinking, no amount of good ideas by the strong, independent man were going to make a difference that day. We were in over our heads. And maybe you've been there. Whether it's today, right now, but whether maybe it's in a relationship and an addiction that you've had in the past, a fear that you have, sometimes you just feel stuck and you're helpless because there's nothing you can do. And, and I'm, so I'm thinking back to the conversation with my friend. And I'm thinking back to some of the ways that he, he tried to break free from being stuck, to go to church more and read the Bible more and doing more good things. And, and, I, and I believe that, that underneath his answers is kind of this brand of christianity that's very easy to fall into and it's sort of this well just positive thinking kind of a self-help program it's the power of positive thinking it's the it's the three steps to a changed life it's the ten keys to a happy marriage it's it's the it's the five secrets to happiness just read this book go through this study read this curriculum In other words, if we just push harder, if we just gun it a little bit more, if we just stuff a little bit more cardboard under there, then maybe we can fix it ourselves. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good ideas in God's Word. There's a lot of good principles that can point you in certain directions in your life, in the right direction, no doubt. But if we think that we're just going to go through the program, if you think that you're just going to Come every Sunday and just go through the motions and put in your time. If you think you're just going to check off those boxes, or I've done this many Bible studies, if we can just maybe muster up the strength, if we can just find a little bit more self control, if we can just find the ability to figure it out ourselves, then we would be good. But the problem is, is that self got you into that pro- problem. Self got me into that problem ability to figure it out ourselves. And so I think it's rather ironic that, that we have a self-help section. Because you're going to try and get yourself out of the problem that self got you into. But every time self tries to help self, self gets in more trouble with self. Hopefully you got that. Makes me dizzy. <laughs> Instead, walking with God, surrendering your heart to God is not about making you better. It's not about polishing the outside of the car because it doesn't do good to polish the car when the car's stuck. It's not even about finding the answers so we can put on this, this facade in front of people that when we come to worship every Sunday, I look like I have it all together. We are a happy Christian couple, and so I'm just going to put on this mask, but really things are hurting at home, and things are hurting in our marriage or in my relationships. And so I'm just going to act like everything is okay because it's something deeper than that. If we're really going to get to the core of the problem, it starts by admitting that we need saving from ourselves. We're not the answer to the problem that we created. Because at the root of our inability to follow through on everything from the New Year's resolution that you're thinking of right now, all the way to that habit that you just can't break free from. The answer is not outside of us somewhere. The issue is inside of us, and the answer, believe it or not, is also inside of us. So first, the bad news. Romans 3, 23. You've probably heard this before, and sometimes it's good to just get a refresher on the basics. For all have sinned. For all all have sinned. Billy Graham, Mother Teresa, Mike Householder, John Aniston, you. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The truth is, we're not just stuck in the driveway. We're stuck in sin. And sin leads to death. And that's bad news. That's deep trouble that we're in. We're stuck in a driveway, we're wedged in a driveway that we're not going to get out of ourselves. And no amount of church attendance or small group time or community service or positive thinking is going to get you unstuck. So we've got some bad news and we've got some really good news. And I love the way that um might need another piece of duct tape. Uh, I love the way that Ephesians 2 puts it. And I want to read this to you out of the message. Now I normally don't use the message, but it's a it's a really neat paraphrase, and I think it really sums up what we're talking about today. and It kind of brings into light a brand new way of looking at this. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It wasn't long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. Anybody feel stagnant today? You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us are in the same boat and it's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and just do away with all of us. Instead, God who is rich in mercy and with an incredible love embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and he made us alive in Christ. He did this, now this is the most important part, he did this all on his own with no help from us. Saving is his idea and his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we had done the saving ourselves. No, we neither neither make ourselves nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. Big idea here. God does the saving. We don't. God does the changing, the resolutions. We don't. God is AAA. We're not. And we'll never be. We can't do enough to get ourselves out of the trouble that we're in. And what that means for us on January 2nd, right now, here today, is that all the books and all the programs and all the guides and all the new ideas and all the new promises and all the decisions and all the commitments and all the goals that you're going to make, they might solve some little issues on the outside. They might polish the surface. They might polish the exterior. They might make your car look nice and shiny, and, and you may go through the checklist and you may go through the self-help program, but it's, none of it is going to get the car unstuck. It's just going to make you look shiny on the outside for a while because the real issue isn't the outside. The real issue is inside of us. Sin isn't just something that happens to us. It's who we are. It's in our being. And the only solution to that is if somebody can win that battle inside of us, if there's something bigger and more powerful than self to get us out of that mess. The real issue is inside of us, but as it turns out, the answer is inside of us too. You see, living the Christian life, as my friend discovered that day, living the Christian life is not only difficult, it's impossible on your own. Living the Christian life is impossible. On your own, and that's the good news for us today, folks. There's good news. Wake up! Some of you are saying, "Oh, great, John, you've sufficiently depressed me. Uh, you uh, we're all stuck. There's no way out. Living the Christian life is impossible." Thank you for that pep talk for New Year's. You're welcome. But here's the good news. Here's the good news, and it's from our scripture today. So, if you have your Bible still open, Revelation 21. God is giving the Apostle John a vision of the future what the kingdom of God is like, what the kingdom of God will be like one day. And actually, I think we have this up there uh, together. Let's read this together from Revelation 21. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. True. Aren't you looking for a little truth today? Aren't you looking for something that you can build your life on in 2011? Good news, it's this. God's not saying, oh, someday things will just get better. Someday, when when we're up in in the clouds and you're up in heaven in your mansion somewhere, then things will be better. Then things will be different. Just just wait until the end of time and and then you'll be made new. What does it say? Behold, I am I am, right now, I am making, not I've made, not I will make. Behold, I am making everything, not just the new year. I am making everything, and that includes you, right now, here today, new. I am making everything new. Grab your Bible like this if you have it. I want you to think about this with me for a second. The back half of this Bible, the back third of it, which is the New Testament, reeks of language of newness. This is what God is doing. And especially when you read Acts, Ephesians, Corinthians, Romans, when you start reading these things, I, I cannot help but see that for the early Christians, it seems like all of, these, all of these pages point to the truth that when we become Christians, there is a profound Change that happens inside of us. It's not just polishing the car on the outside. Something drastic happens in our lives. The first Christians, when I read this, the first Christians were convinced that in identifying with Jesus on the cross, something inside you and I dies. And this person that dies, Paul refers to as the old man or the old woman. Paul puts it this way in Colossians, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So that, that old person, that person that is stuck, that person that can never keep their New Year's promises, that person that can't change on their own, that person is dead. Today, they're dead. And Paul goes on to say in Colossians, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And so for the first Christians, they kept insisting that something so transformational was happening in their lives that they referred to their old lives as the life we once lived. That's not who I am anymore. And this is all to say not that we'll be perfect and not that you'll never struggle. It's that our imperfections don't get the final word anymore. Your sin today is not the end of the story. Paul even goes on to say, and some of you know this passage very well, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are new creations in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We are being remade. I am being remade. I, I am not who I was because I am in Christ. Think about this for a second. When God looks at you, if you are in Christ... If you are inside of him, when God looks at you, what does he see? Sin? Failure? No. He sees Christ. God's view of me is Christ. Just let that sink in for a second. God's view of me is is Christ, and and Christ is perfect. Christ is holy. Holy. And so you read something like Colossians 3.12 and Paul says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Did you catch that? Holy. Not gonna be holy someday. Not if you earn it, I'm gonna be holy someday. Not get your life cleaned up, you're gonna be holy someday. When we read God's word and take him up on his promises, we are being told who we are right now here today. And so the good news for us, the good news for my friend that feels stuck, is that for those of us that are on this journey of faith, the issue for us today isn't beating up ourselves over all the things that we're not. The issue is learning more and more about the person that God insists you already are. There is this person that I am in God's eyes, and I wonder if Christian maturity is learning to live like it's true. It's not earning it. It's not you making yourself that way. And, and oh yes, it's, it's 100% true that we're sinners as my good friend Martin Luther used to say. They named a church after him. He says we're 100% sinners but we're 100% saints. Right now Here, today, oh, but John, I don't feel like it. You don't understand what I've done in my life. You don't understand my past. You don't understand the things that I'm dealing with in my life right now. If you really knew what I had done, that would not be true of me. What Martin Luther said, 100% saint, what are you talking about? I'm so far from that. Because I don't feel like that today. I don't feel like, I say, I don't feel holy. I don't deserve it. Well, Good news, that's the whole point. None of us do. And it's never been about what you think about yourself. God says today, you are my son. You are my daughter. And today, January 2nd, I want you to live like it's true. Not just because it's a new year, but because you are a new person. This is way beyond positive thinking. This is about putting your hope in something other than yourself. It's putting your hope in the only one that can rescue you. How often do we say, I, I-, I want to be a better husband, I, I want to be a better wife, I want to be a better friend, I, I-, I want to be a better Christian, but you know what? It's not about trying harder. It's not about being better. It's saying, God, today, I need your love and I need your patience and I need your strength to live through me today because you're living in me. God, help me be a better husband. God, help me be a better wife. Without Jesus, we're spinning our tires in the driveway. Without Jesus, Christianity is just a religion, as my friend found out about. This is why I was banging my head against the table. It seems like for him, Christianity just gave him a whole new list of things to feel guilty about. I don't want to be a part of that. But Jesus says, I don't have just a few more keys and secrets for you for 2011. I don't have just a few more answers for you. Jesus says to you today, I am the answer. Christianity isn't about external modification. It's about heart transformation. The gospel isn't about making better people. It's about making new people. Out of the prop department, I have in my hand right here an apple seed. And maybe you can't see it. I have in my hand an apple seed. You get the idea, even if you can't see it. That's an apple seed, and do you know what's in this apple seed? There is a tree inside this apple seed. Okay, that's the response I thought I'd get. No, you don't get it. There is a full-blown honkin' apple tree inside this seed. There are leaves inside of here. There is bark inside of here. There are apples Thousands of apples inside here. You're still not getting it. Okay, let me bring it down to earth. There is apple pie inside of this apple seed, right? There are caramel apples inside this apple seed, people, okay? It's all here. It's right here. And I believe what happens, if anybody wants to plant an apple seed, I've got an extra one. I believe what happens is that when we say to Jesus, I want to live in you, I want to I live in you, I want to grow in you, when we say, Jesus, I want your life in me, we might look like this seed. My friend, maybe he's just a sapling. That doesn't sound very manly. Uh, he's a small tree. You might just feel like this right now. But when we plant that seed in the ground... And we plant ourselves in the truth of who we are. We start to live like we're forgiven. We start to live like we're free. We start to live like we're accepted. And here's what happens. Psalm 1. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season who loves with no agenda, who serves others, who makes an impact on their family, who leaves a mark in 2011. But even with this, I sense some of you that are still saying today, where's my apples now? I want my apples right now here today. I want to make caramel apples. I want to make apple pie. I want to make applesauce. Where's my apples? I want to grow now. I want to change now. I want to see that fruit in my life now. That little seed is who I am, but... That's who I want to be. This little seed may be where you're at on your journey of faith today, and there's something that can change that. It's called discipleship. You'll hear plenty more about that this year. That little seed may be where you're at, but that's who you already are. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. Or as Isaiah puts it, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. God, I want you to plant me in 2011 so that I can be for the display of your splendor. And to me, that sounds so much better than beating my head against the wall about all my failures. That sounds so much better than being wedged in the driveway. This year, I pray that you have many fun and different and exciting New Year's resolutions. But I pray that all of us have this one resolution in common, to let God be the one who tells us who we are and to live like it's true. Amen.